Podcast One. Finally, finally, we are all going to discover how to create an incredible customer experience that will make it even easier to do business with us, infinitely more enjoyable and crazily shareable. It's a highly experiential episode 486 of the award-winning Small Business Big Marketing Podcast. Well, I said, welcome to a small business marketing show, where successful small business owners share their souls. To take your marketing straight to the lead, now here's your host, Mr. Tim Reed. And welcome back to your weekly dose of marketing megaphones. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, you're a motivated business owner, ready to crank out some great marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it absolutely deserves to be. And that's exactly what we do around here. Plus, you can join our free Facebook group for some ongoing marketing discussion, accountability and support. Just search for the Small Business Big Marketing Tribe on Facebook. Big episode today. Yes, indeedly, doodly. We catch up with customer experience expert, Jonathan Barouche. We've got another Monster Prize Draw winner, and I'll give you an insight into next week's episode. Basically, it involves axe throwing. As per usual, team, there is marketing G-O-L-D dripping from the ceiling over here at Small Business Big Marketing's HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Hey, before we meet this week's guest, which absolute cracker interview coming up, I promise, I received some really lovely feedback from a whole lot of you in regards to the episode last week with Lockie Dolly, Jimmy Barnes's uh, keyboard player, who talked about how to make it big, or in fact, how hard it is to make it big in the music industry. Now, one of the things I worry about when I put out an episode is many of you look to see who the guest is or what industry they're in. And if it's not relevant to your business, I know some of you don't listen to the episode. And I would encourage you, my my belief has always been the best marketing and business lessons come from outside of your industry. And this email from listener Martin Baker actually demonstrates that really clearly. So I want to share it with you because it kind of highlights some great learnings. Martin says, Timbo Reed, what have you done? Exclamation mark. The interview with Lockie Dolly was just magnificent. It was one of the best you've ever done because of the, of the openness, honesty, and integrity of Lockie, and obviously because of the interviewer. <laughs> Thank you. What I liked about it was that there were so many personal aspects of Lockie's business experience. He was honest, open, and truthful. Hearing about the pain of a cancelled tour at the last minute reminds me of meetings cancelled as I walked off the plane. So true. There's one business parallel. I understand the highs and nerves associated with the stage and the parallels to a presentation to a large prospect, not because you're nervous to win the deal, but because you want to do the right thing by yourself and not see embarrassed faces in the audience. I never realised just how hard it was for an artist to make a living in the music industry and to hear how many downloads for 200 bucks was a shock to me. Yeah, me too. Despite Lockie being one of the best keyboard players in the world, it's still a tough gig, pun intended. Well done, Martin. Love your work. Dad joke? Tick. 
which highlights the issues many small business people face to follow your vision and still follow through, even when it's hard to put bread on the table or pay the mortgage. I myself left the cubicle with an income of 300 grand a year to go and start a business where I would only earn a percentage of dollars I bought in. I know it's tough, I know it's hard, but it's just so rewarding running your own business. Great podcast, Timbo. Love your work. Regards, Martin Baker. Martin Baker, I love your work. I I know Lockie responded directly to your email as well, and he loves your work as well. But just wanted to share that uh, because it just shows what you can learn when you listen to people from other industries talk about their business. Marketing is full of jargon, right? And the most bandied around term of recent years has been, guess what? Customer experience or CX as those in the know like to call it. But what is it? Why is CX so important? And how can it help grow your business? And if it can, how do you get some of that action? Excellent questions indeed. And they're all about to be answered by customer experience expert Jonathan Baruch, who is the founder of real-time customer intelligence company Local Measure. He's also one of Australia's most respected tech entrepreneurs. Now, Local Measure offers next-generation customer experience, mainly in the hospitality, travel and tourism sectors. But don't worry, what Jonathan shares also applies to your sector, your business, your industry, I promise. Um, now, Local Measure provides highly targeted real-time customer intelligence, insight, and demographic information uh, to businesses about their customers. So you can make decisions that are going to make them go wow. And if the idea of wowing those precious customers of yours appeals, and I know it does because that's why you listen to this show, then grab a pen and paper, I know, very old school, and get ready to be wowed yourself. I started off by asking Jonathan to share the best customer experience he's ever had. The best customer experience. So look, I'm pretty spoiled. So I run a company called Local Measure. We, we focus on customer experience, particularly for hospitality. So most of my stories are probably hospitality based, but there's one in particular that I remember when people ask me that, and it's at the Beverly Hills Hotel which is a fabulous uh, hotel um, in Beverly Hills um, that, you know, Marilyn Monroe and Frank Sinatra used to go to. So it has the real all of the glitz and glamour of, of Hollywood and of Beverly Hills. Um, they are a customer of ours, a so full disclosure. But what they do is they sort of really think about the customer holistically and because it's a luxury brand, they have extra bandwidth to kind of research who their customers are and what makes them tick. And I remember on one occasion when I checked in, they had two sets of pyjamas laid out on the beds for my two boys, who at the time were, I think, about three and six. The right sizes, they had a teddy bear for each. Uh, they had soy milk in the fridge because they know that I don't drink normal milk. Uh, they had a glass of the wine that I like on the table. And for me, that was like a really, it's a wow moment, right? Because they knew who I was. They personalized the experience. And like, as I walked into the room, I felt at home and it was just magical. And for me, that's really, that is exactly what customer experience is about. And so that really sticks with me and hats off to that team. Uh, You know, they're an excellent um, business and and they've got incredible culture to bring that to life. Completely uh, memorable and shareable story. And I guess for any business, that's an outcome of of providing a great customer experience, getting people to go, wow, so that the next thing you know, they're sharing it on their Facebooks and talking about it at barbecues and things like that. Jonathan, is... I'm going to say an overused term, 
and and for my small business owning audience, maybe a term that freaks them out. So I'm going to go back to basics and help me here. Explain, define what customer experience is. I mean, you're totally right. And I think um, technology companies haven't helped because I think customer experience has become pretty sexy. And a lot of the business magazines uh, and blogs, uh, you know, are talking about it. So I think every company then says they're a customer experience company. So you can kind of excuse an SMB for kind of scratching their head and going kind of what's all this nonsense about. But I think if you bring it really back to the core, customer experience is about thinking about the end-to-end journey of the customer and the, all the different ways they interact with you. And ultimately, I suppose, asking the question of yourself, you know, at each different point in that journey where they interact with me or my business, my brand, how do I want the customer to feel? And I think that is the sort of fundamental question. And the answer is obviously you want them to feel great at each of those touch points. And so kind of creating an incredible customer experience is optimizing your business and your process and all those different engagement points along the journey to make each of them consistent and, you know, a wow experience. Do you think that each of those, I call them moments of truth, and you mentioned the word, the phrase touch points, do you think it is about making every single one of them wow or every now and then there's a wow, but just as long as each touch point has people sort of going, you know, as I expected or, you know, that was awesome. Look, I think um, each can only do as much as the capabilities allow, right? And in the thick of business, you know, I used to run a small business and now running a slightly bigger business. Like I understand something goes wrong. Your, your shop's full of customers. Your phones are ringing. The fax is coming through. You're getting emails like, you know, stuff goes wrong. Someone calls in sick. Um, so, you know, things happen. But I think the most important is having an awareness and having a kind of a business owner taking time out of the day to think about, all those different touch points. And I think you're right. It's, you know, it's impossible to deliver that wow moment for every customer at every single touch point. I mean, you know, the resources you would need to be able to do that are very hard, but I think you can do certain things across the journey to make them go, wow, this business really cares about me as a customer. And I think that's almost just as important. I mean, I think about Apple as if that's the gold standard that, you know, every experience you have with them, they're proactive, they message you, they kind of, they book you in, you open the box and it's wow, you start the product and it's wow, you know, six months later, it's wow. You know, if, if a Disney or an Apple is kind of the bar, how do kind of businesses kind of try and emulate some of that in their journey um, so that customers feel like, you know, your business cares about them and it's a great experience? So often we go to businesses like you've mentioned the Beverly Hills um, Hotel, you've mentioned Apple, you've mentioned mentioned Disney. Um, one of the things I try to protect my audience from is feeling like, oh, all this marketing stuff is the domain of the big guys. We know it's not. Um, how does a small business owner embrace this concept of customer experience so that it's not overwhelming, it's not expensive, but it can have a huge impact on their business? Where do they start? I mean, I would argue it's easier for a small business to deliver a great customer experience than it is for a big no-name corporation. And I'll tell you why. So when I, I used to run, before I ran this company, I used to run a company called Fast Flowers, which was actually a, a flower company. We had retail stores and uh, a bit of wholesale business and we kind of delivered around the region. And I used to work many days just in the storefront. And, you know, I would recognize customers. I would kind of welcome them by name. Um, you know, sometimes we would kind of know some of their preferences. You'd have 
some of the flowers kind of kept aside for them because you, you knew that they would like them. That's the essence of customer experience, right? It's the cafe barista welcoming Tim back and having your coffee waiting without you even having to order. And, you know, sometimes if you're thinking about a huge company and insert any brand here, they have to kind of create that at scale across thousands and thousands of stores. And that's really, really hard. Whereas if you're an owner operator or you're a small business and you've got a good team, you know, you can bring some of those principles to life much quicker than you can over thousands and thousands of stores. So, in fact, I wouldn't probably have your listeners feel somehow, you know, that this is a huge mountain to climb. I think the reality is probably all of them are doing most of the principles that I already discussed anyway. It's how do you sort of maybe copy some of the best things that you're seeing in the market and implement it within their own businesses. And, you know, the thing is, this is not complicated. I, I look at customer experience and go, my goodness, what what a fun part of business this is. You know, when, you know, as a marketing show, I look at stuff like SEO or pay-per-click advertising. I go, well, it's, it's kind of necessary. But here we have, you know, a marketing concept that demands that we just show our customers a really good time. Now, you, again, you, you operate in the, mainly the hospitality industry, Jonathan. Does this customer experience philosophy apply to any size business in any industry, B2B, B2C, industrial, you know, like is it any, every business should adopt it? Yes. I mean, look, local measure play is really strong in hospitality, in retail, in tourism, in leisure, you know, in restaurants. So we, we you know, even in healthcare. So we do uh, run a gamut of different industries, but you're right. I mean, this isn't a, a concept only for business to consumer businesses. It's equally business to business or manufacturing or industrial. I suppose it's any business that has customers engaging with them across a journey. And, you know, how do you make your business easy to do business with? So, you know, if it's a corporate buyer, how do you kind of understand their, their needs and their wants? And you mentioned, you know, this uh, customer experience being a marketing discipline, and it absolutely is, but it's equally an operations discipline, right? Because it's the front line who have to bring a lot of this stuff together. So I think one of the opportunities and the challenges with customer experience is you kind of need all parts of your business to kind of work together. You know, even I, I recently had a customer telling me about that their finance department would be kind of chasing customers in a really kind of aggressive way. And kind of what that does is you can have a great marketing function, a great operations function, but if the finance team undo all of that good because one of their processes makes a customer feel, you know, um, that you're, you know, they're not a valued business partner, it's all for nothing. So really the customer experience lens needs to kind of look at all processes and everything in the business to make sure, you know, we think about it from the customer lens. I wonder, Jonathan, whether the phrase customer experience is limiting and it should be stakeholder experience because from my experience looking inside businesses, it's those businesses that make an amazing customer experience. But what about the supplier experience or what about the employee experience or what about the media experience? All these stakeholders have a really uh, influ influential impact on your business. So should we maybe be expanding the definition? I think you're totally right. I mean, I think all of the studies um, that have looked at kind of revenue impact and customer loyalty um, show that, you know, having employees that are engaged and have a high experience rating at work lead to better customer experience outcomes, which lead to kind of more loyal customers and more revenue. So you're right. I mean, it's very hard to look at one of these things in isolation. And customer experience is such a buzzword. I mean, and I hate to introduce yet another buzzword, but 
my teams <laughs> tend to tend to talk about like human experience, meaning like think about human to human engagement. And those are all the different pieces in the business you're kind of trying to think about to make them better. So it's, you know, how do we create more opportunities for, for you know, it's not about setting up a bot or sending a call to an overseas contact center. It's about like, how do you create, and, and maybe it is that for some low value interactions, but then for some of the high value interactions, how do you create like a more human experience for your customers? I, I love that. I, I often get asked by business owners, you know, I'm B2B, so it's different, you know, or I'm government. <laughs> and sure, there are nuances and there may be language that differs, but at the end of the day, I, I say it's P2P. You say it's H2H, people to people, human to human. Um, it's all the same thing. So uh, I think we might be onto something there. So tell me, um, I want to break customer experience up into the two words. There is customer and there is experience. From the customer point of view, Jonathan, you know, you, you, I heard you or read you say somewhere, thanks to social media and review sites, every customer is a critic. So, mm. so what, what are your insights into customers these days as we head into 2020? So I, I think up until this conversation, everything we've just discussed in this in this podcast so far has been the same business principles, whether it was a horse and cart or whether it's a computer or an email. It's just that the channels have changed, right? I think what you've just struck on is maybe one of the key differences in, in the way that we serve uh, and have to relate to customers over the last few years in that every customer now suddenly has a megaphone in that they have you know, a plethora of like ratings and reviews websites, obviously Google reviews being one of the most prominent. Um, they have, you know, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And so the challenge and equally the flip side, the opportunity is that customers are sharing their experiences as they have always, but rather than just telling your neighbor or your family, now they're telling the whole world. And the, the challenge there is that, and I, I, I'm sure you're the same team, but I certainly am the first time I, think about a product or before I buy a service, I go to Google, I kind of Google the, the product and then I see what the ratings are or I, you know, whether before I go to a restaurant, I look at the ratings and the reviews. So most businesses now live or die by their kind of online reputation, which means, you know, some, when something goes wrong, it has a much bigger impact. And when something goes right, it can actually drive a lot of goodwill. Totally. Yeah, the power of reviews, it's quite, it's scary, actually. You know, I, I think as business owners, again, like just put your put your consumer hat on and think about how you go about researching and deciding to buy from somewhere or someone. And, you know, yeah, we are. We're looking for reviews. We're looking for third-party endorsements and testimonials. It, it, it's kind of scary. And, and customers, not only do they have their own megaphone, it's a pretty loud megaphone these days. I think people who didn't speak up 10 years ago sort of feel like they can speak up now, maybe hiding behind a social avatar or, or, or a review site. And I think, look, and I often have business owners from, and the interesting thing is to your point earlier, this isn't unique to small business or unique to large enterprise. They often have CEOs of very large companies ask me how they handle this. So like nobody's kind of totally got this nailed. Um, but the reality is things go wrong in any business, right? And obviously we're all trying to, to minimize and limit those. But no matter how brilliant you are, even with the biggest brands that we mentioned earlier, stuff goes wrong. And so I think largely in my view, um, what I judge a business by is not only what the ratings and the reviews are, because clearly that's very important, but it's actually also watching how the brand responds. So if you, if you see someone complaining on Twitter and then you see the brand respond really thoughtfully, really quickly, in my book, 
um, that actually gives me a lot more confidence about that business because I know when something goes wrong, kind of they're there to listen. When I look at a Google review, if I've seen the business owner has responded, you know, I'm, I'm comforted by the fact that they've listened, they've taken the feedback on board and they've responded. So I think in this kind of world where everybody's a critic, probably the most important thing to do is that you're listening. And then the, the second most important is probably you're listening and responding because I think largely, you know, obviously there are bigger questions about how you drive an experience to move the rating up over time, but you can very quickly start listening and responding to customers and I think start to mitigate some of the risk associated with kind of social media. So true. I mean, you know, I would, I've often gone like Airbnb is a classic example where you see a review um, and it might be two stars. You go, oh, gee, hang on, I'll just read that. But then you read it and then the owners responded and it's very quickly been resolved. So, you know, you can quickly turn two stars into five stars simply by listening and responding. Um, Jonathan, really keen, you've already posed a couple of questions, but I'm keen to give listeners the questions they need to ask if they were to block out a day in their calendar, go away with their team to create the ultimate customer experience for their business. Now, you've, you've suggested questions like, how do I make it uh, easier to do business with us? Um, mm-hmm. you know, make, how do I make it? Um, how do I create wow factors all along the way? Another one was, how does, how does our brand res- listen and respond or does it? Any other questions that, you know, could form the, the basis of, of an away day where businesses can create a great customer experience? So what my team did, which I found really interesting, was uh, we got a whole bunch of post-it notes and we got a massive wall and we mapped out the customer journey from the very first time a customer heard about us or discovered us all the way through to purchase and then all the way through to them becoming a happy customer. And it sounds simple and you think, oh, I'll have that done in five minutes. But I've got five exceptionally bright folks on my leadership team and it took us several hours and there were bloody post-it notes everywhere. But it was actually really illuminating when you did it on the wall because, you know, we, we pride ourselves on delivering a pretty great customer experience. And there were things in that flow that were just fundamentally broken. I mean, in that, uh, sharing our dirty laundry. But, you know, there was a particular flow that a customer could go through where they got five or six emails from us from different teams that were like totally duplicated. And so if you now put your customer lens on, that's a pretty crappy customer experience. You get five emails from a company that you just started to do business with, with essentially the same information. So not only can you cut costs by turning six emails into one, you make the customer experience better. You give them all the information up front. And so that was just like one really micro example of something that we picked up. But then to your question about like what questions did they ask, you kind of don't know what questions to ask until you see it all mapped out because then then you can actually ask questions at, at each of those touch points about, you know, what would it take to optimise this or what would it take to make our customers wait less time when they're on the phone? Uh, what would be a way of introducing a new channel for them to communicate with us? What would be a way for us to predict an issue that they have in this journey without them having to even call? And so you can start to kind of ask all those questions and clearly you're not going to be able to answer them all. That's a really good way to start, in my view, to kind of unpack all the different ways you interact with the customer and and how you can make, you know, the end-to-end flow that much better. It can, I can imagine it getting quite detailed. So, for example, I'm looking at that wall and I've just written down here pre, during and post the transaction. So, you're covering the entire timeline. Um, Am I being too specific, but to say, hey, um, 
there, there is a moment of truth when someone in your business hands over a business card. Um, how can we make that interesting? And then there's another moment of truth when someone walks up to your counter ready to buy the product. You know, is this what we're talking about where we look at each of those individual moments and then ask the question, how can we make it easier? How can we make it more fun? How can we make it quicker? Definitely. It's that, right? Well, I don't think, I mean, look, you can go to the the, the tiniest degree. So I think obviously each business and each business owner is going to be sensible about how far down they want to go, but you're absolutely right. It's like, how do we make our first impression count? You know, when they're making the transaction, how do we make it seamless? How do we, you know, when we do the post sales service, how do we make sure we predict it? We book it in easily. We, we, you know, engage with the customer. So I think you're absolutely right. It's kind of breaking down each of those moments. And, you know, the other thing I would sort of say, which I probably forgot a little bit earlier is it's really hard to run that exercise in isolation. So one of the best ways that um, you can go into one of those offsites is, is come with like customer feedback. So whether that's the feedback that you solicit directly, whether that's, um, you know, most businesses will probably have feedback in one way or another. And if they don't, that's probably an even bigger issue. Because I think once you have those, those issues and that, that feedback from customers, you can start to group them by theme. It makes answering the question of how do I make this part of the journey better really obvious because oftentimes customers will tell you how to make it better. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. Um, I always worry about customer feedback. You don't, I mean, I think it's dangerous to listen to it all. Um, I always use the example, you know, if Steve Jobs had gone out prior to inventing the, when he invented the iPod and said, and said you know, um, I've invented this little white box. You can throw away all your CDs now. Don't need them. Um, this, this little bot white box carries a thousand songs. He probably would have got a lot of people going, well, that's a ridiculous idea. Um, hist- history tells a different story. I think you're right. I, I think that the way that we tend to look at it is, is the operational feedback, clearly you just want to resolve because if there's an operational issue, you can kind of fix it straight away and it's always better to resolve something properly and early in the journey rather than later where it's costly and, and more timely to resolve. Uh, we try to group feedback into themes and I think that's where you can get some good insight. So, you know, you just mentioned the purchasing. I'm at, I'm at the counter and I've got a product. Like start to, to group feedback around that specific experience and kind of break out some of the frustrations a customer might have at that part of the experience. I think that's probably a good way to use feedback along with the customer journey to kind of figure out what you need to do to improve. And and I guess, Jonathan, um, you're making an assumption there that businesses are making it easy to receive feedback. Um, But that's sort of part of the customer experience, isn't it? So you got any tips on how to make it easy to receive feedback? That, I mean, that's a great question and that's basically that's what Local Measure does and, and that's what our company sort of specialises in, um, particularly in the in-venue experience. So our company is all about having seamless and unobtrusive ways of getting a health check on the customer where they're in the bricks and mortar, whether it's a store, whether it's a restaurant, whether it's a chain, whether it's a hotel. And so that's kind of what we do as a business. And then there's kind of many other ways of getting feedback, whether it's kind of leaving old-fashioned kind of survey cards, whether it's emailing customers to ask them for feedback, uh, whether it's on the bottom of your email signature saying have any comments or feedback or tips, send it in here. So it doesn't have to cost a hell of a lot of money. It's just obviously prompting customers at the right time to tell you how you're doing. 
Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I want to talk about local measure and how it came to be and what you actually do specifically. Before we do that, Jonathan, and just to finish on the the experience side of customer experience, you started off with a great example from the Beverly Hills Hotel. Yeah. A couple of other examples of businesses yeah. that are just, you know, that are blowing you away. So I'll give you one first that's not blowing it away because I was up till midnight last night. So there's an airline in Europe called Wizz Air and quite a big airline and and something went wrong and they promised me a refund, which, by the way, took me about 15 interactions to get that refund. Um, Then they don't answer their phone. They don't answer their email. You tweet them and they respond really quickly, which is incredible. So big tick for that um, touch point. And they give you the phone number and then you call the phone number and it rings out. So I think that's a great example of, yeah, they've nailed their social, super fast, super responsive, but it all means nothing if, if then the other channels are broken as well. So that's a really bad one and I'm, I'm grumpy because I'm going through that now, but the impact is like I'm never going to do business with, with that company and I think probably all your listeners have had similar experiences. Um, on the flip side, um, who's, who's a company or a client who's doing it well? Um, one of our customers is Accor Hotels. So they own um, Novotel and Sofitel and Fairmont and Raffles in, um, you know, almost 5,000 hotels globally. Mm-hmm. They have a, a program uh, that was started, I think, in Australia where they added sort of cultural-based training to their team and their employees to really kind of understand the customer and put themselves in the shoes of the customer and to kind of drive empathy. And, and I think to your earlier point, driving the employee experience is critical to drive the customer experience. And so they have, you know, pre-arrival reports to their hotels. So, you know, if you're a loyalty member, you know, a lot of your preferences will carry through. So, you know, if you like the hard pillow, the hard pillow will be waiting. If you like a certain type of view, the view will be, you know, as best as possible to deliver to your preference. And so kind of I'm always blown away because whenever I stay at their properties, you know, the things that they learn about me over time continue to pop up. So your experience kind of gets better and better as you stay with them. And so I kind of really admire them as a brand because they've, they've nailed the customer side, but they've also nailed the employee side. And the impact is like every time you kind of stay with them, kind of it feels like they know you more and more and you kind of feel more and more welcome. So that, that's probably um, an example of a group that I think do a really outstanding job. Uh, just as you're talking again, I mean, it seems easy for a hotel, somewhere in the hospitality industry to do it. Um, I'm then thinking for service-based businesses, it's relatively easy to create a great customer experience. I've interviewed a lot of online, successful online business owners. Yep. They seem to get it right. There's, it seems yep. to be a, a fun part of, you know, buying something online and receiving it in the mail and you get the box and there's a Tim Tam in it or, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, that's easy. Now I'm just, I'm sort of going back a little bit, but I want to get clear in my mind for anyone who's got, you know, maybe, um, what would an example be? Um, a, well, a, a lawyer, a, a dentist, a wholesaler. Yeah, well, well, they're services, yeah. Uh, they're very serious services, but yeah, good examples. Or a retail clothes shop um, or a plumbing supplies. You know, how do these guys, I mean, ask. I guess they've got to ask the same questions and just... Yes, I mean, I'll, so I'll give you an example on the plumber, right? Like I booked a plumber the other day. Um, I did it online. Um, they sent me an SMS to confirm the appointment. Um, I had to change it so I could press a button on the SMS and automatically rebooked it. They called me on approach. Um, they quoted it up front. Uh, they, you know, they obviously completed the job really successfully and they followed up after automated to make sure I was happy and sent the bill. Like um, for me, wow, 10 out of 10 because they, they yeah. nailed it at every interaction. And so it doesn't matter. I, I don't think that, that that was a specific 
service and it wasn't a hotel. They used all the principles that we've spoken about for the last half an hour to kind of really make it easy to, to do business with them. Yeah, I love that. Another um, another example or another question actually is is what's what's pissing your customers off? Because I think Jeff Bezos's book of the owner of Amazon is um, one click. So he's mm. got like you know, really what was pissing people off online when they're buying is like you know four or five clicks before you even actually find you know the, the shopping cart or whatever it may be. And again, so getting just figuring out what is in the way of people buying from and removing there. friction. Yeah. Why'd you start Local Measure? Well, actually, the, the honest truth is that I didn't start Local Measure. I started it um, as a business-to-consumer um, concept, which um, fabulously failed. And as all, all good business ideas, um, you know, it usually takes a second or a third attempt to strike on something that works. So Tell me we about took the value before you go on to the success. So our original concept was, uh, you know, there's got to be a better way to have local intelligence of kind of what's going on around you, the kind of the restaurants. This was at the time when sort of TripAdvisor was starting to grow and Yelp was growing and Instagram was growing. And, you know, waiting for the paper to kind of figure out what was on on the weekend or what was happening in your local community to me sounded outdated. So we sort of built a system that could aggregate together social media and reviews and online content to try and create, you know, a bit of a local portal so you could kind of figure out what was going on around you. The challenge is obviously to get any scale in that type of business is very, very hard because you're, you're essentially a media business kind of fighting for eyeballs and ultimately we just couldn't get enough eyeballs. But what happened in that process was that we became really good at handling local data, local feedback, local intelligence, um, and we kind of pivoted the business to become more of a business-to-business application that um, business customers could subscribe to, hospitality, retail, kind of tourism, healthcare, sports and entertainment, and basically have a tap of consumer intelligence. And we, we do that through a number of means. We do it through social media. We do it through feedback, so our own feedback tools to solicit kind of real-time feedback you can respond to. Uh, and we do that through kind of venue Wi-Fi. So kind of when a venue, when a customer connects to the Wi-Fi, obviously with consent, you can grab their customer details and their email to create an ongoing conversation with them. So th- it's interesting. It was it was not so dissimilar from our original concept, but in, in many ways it was a complete 180 starting as business to consumer that we just failed miserably to monetize through to B2B and, and kind of when we made the switch, uh, it was actually really evident that we made the right call because then customers started to pay for it and that, that's kind of the validation that you need to figure out you've got a real business. Did you lose faith and energy at the point when you've gone, oh, this B2C thing was a com- was completely the wrong thing? Was it hard to then make that pivot to B2B or it was just part of the journey? Oh, look, I think every business owner can relate. You have, have days where you just think, why the hell am I doing this? Um, but yeah. the entrepreneurial spirit is kind of what helps you kind of brush it back off and get back up and go into the ring for another round, right? And um, yeah, right. And, and so, you, you know, you, you always have good days and you have bad days and I think you hope that the good days outweigh the bad days and that the revenue is sort of going up and to the right. Uh, and, and if that happens, that gives you the motivation to kind of get up and fight the next day. Yeah, true. What, what, what did you do to create the initial awareness around local measure and get those first couple of, of very precious clients? Well, I think I'd probably answer it, flip, flip it and say, actually, we, we did everything we could to win those first couple of precious clients. And then that was what created the awareness. Uh, and so, you know, we used personal connections, connections of our board and our advisors, um, you know, tried to get customers into, the, into it early to help us with the product development. 
And then you kind of build up your first couple of advocates and they really help you create the awareness because when you solve a problem for one particular customer, hopefully it, you, you validated that it's re replicable, then others start to become interested. So, you know, our strategy really was to land a few large customers who could help us with the development and act as case studies, which then built the awareness to help us then sell into the next kind of batch of customers. Does that mean you bought the business in terms of like you gave gave your services away relatively cheaply at that point in time? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, and even for free, even, at, you know, at that point, um, getting customer feedback was probably even more important than the revenue. So we just sort of did proof of concepts and, you know, we tried to remove the friction to get customers to try using our product to give us uh, feedback. And then at the point where we felt it was strong enough, obviously, then we started charging. And that's the best feeling in the world, right? For an entrepreneur or a business owner, when someone actually pays you for your idea, like that's, that's the shot of adrenaline that you need to kind of get to the next stage. Yeah, love that. Love a good shot of adrenaline. How would you describe the customer experience uh, for local measure these days? Um, I think, well, look, obviously I'm biased, but I think it's pretty good. We have a global team of customer success folks, um, and they sit in Sydney, Singapore, Dubai, London, Miami, and Phoenix. Uh, and, and that squad and that team are really tasked with making sure that our customers love our software. So we kind of have really have two commercial motions. One is like the sales motion and we've got obviously sellers and, and business executive, business uh, client execs around the world. And on the other side, we have sort of customer success, which is kind of a relatively new concept that's born out of software sales, particularly in the US. And those are, I suppose, what you'd call an account manager. And they're the ones who kind of partner with our clients to kind of drive business outcomes. Uh, and, and that team consistently has very high customer satisfaction scores we get very positive feedback on them from our clients and look it's 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 an expensive way to do business right because that team must be about 10 or so around the world uh, but absolutely critical in driving kind of engagement adoption and renewal of our customers so just explain the customer success team what are the, what, what are they actually doing so they're, they're KPI'd really on making sure that our customers are successful and getting business outcomes. So um, as soon as a customer signs to take on our software, that's when that team steps in to help get them on board it. Uh, they, you know, they run webinars and best practice to make sure that we're driving best practice within our clients. Obviously, if there's any support, that gets routed into that team as well. So they're sort of the front line globally tasked with making sure that our customers are onboarded and effectively using our software and ultimately driving an outcome within their business. Um, yeah. So they're, they're the first touch point with, with the customer globally. You are dealing at local measure with the top end of town, the, the Hiltons, the Accors of the world, large franchise chains, et cetera. Have you figured out a way to service the small end of town or is it just not cost effective for you? Yeah, look, so that, that's a good question. I mean, we, so we deal with sort of uh, what I'd call commercial, which is a medium-sized businesses all the way up to enterprise. And then we have a scattering of SMB around the world. Um, the, the, my team told me about a pizza sh a shop in, in New York, actually, that's using our software. And, and it's a really charismatic owner who wants to understand their customers and uses our software both to collect kind of emails so that they can, he can drive his kind of marketing efforts in his newsletter and also kind of feedback to understand what people think of the menu and, and, and of the service. So uh, from a technology perspective, you know, local measure definitely works as well in SMB as it does in a large enterprise. But obviously we're a team of 50, so we kind of need to pick our battles. 
um, and you know probably commercial and enterprise from a go-to-market is probably much more effective for us. Uh, we work with Cisco, which are obviously a very large technology company, and more and more they're focusing on SMB. And so I think our plan for next year is to partner with them on SMB so that we can scale through their partners and their channel partners because that's probably a more cost-effective way to get out at scale to smaller businesses. Yeah. Well, it's like everything. I, I get it. But it'd be lovely for it to kind of trickle down into into the S in SMB. What role mark what roles marketing playing these days, Jonathan, in, in local measure? Are you out there, you know, networking or developing partnerships or you know, how do you get into a the door of a Hilton or an Accor? Yeah, so we, we do a few things. So I mean, as I said earlier on, I mean, one of our most effective marketing tools are case studies. So we either do that written or blogs or what's been the most effective is like, uh, you know, spending a bit of money and doing a really great video case study. So, um, you know, we did one recently with Cisco and the Sydney Opera House. Um, and that's just incredible because that nothing tells a prospective customer as much as hearing from an existing customer. And so that's, that's probably our most powerful uh, source of, you know, acquiring new customers. Um, we do a lot of thought leadership. So, you know, we partner with Forbes for the Forbes Travel Guide. We partner with Cornell for the Hospitality School. Uh, we put out a lot of thought uh, e-books and thought leadership uh, and we do a lot of PR. So we're kind of in the media uh, relatively often. And I think the other thing we do, uh, our teams will event, attend a lot of industry events, so retail events, hospitality events, sports and entertainment events, just so we have a presence and so our, our brand um, starts to be seen. And we typically yeah. do that with our partners, whether it's with Salesforce or with, or with Cisco. You mentioned case studies, Jonathan. I would have to say the case studies on the local measure website are world class. They, um, I love the way there's there story attached to them and you start off with the problem and then you offer up what the solution was and then you detail what the outcomes were. So I think any, anyone listening wants to see how to represent a, a case study for, your, for their own business. I think that'd be a pretty good place to start. We have a very talented marketing director, Anne, who uh, who looks after that. And, and yeah, I, th I think you hit on a really important point. It's about the storytelling. So it's less about the speeds and the feeds and the actual tech because at the end of the day, no one really cares about that. What they care about is if they do business with you, what's going to be the impact on their business and how is it going to make their customers feel? And so mm -hmm. I, think, I think if you can do that and you can do it in an emotional way, that's sort of the hook that they then remember. Yeah, love it. Well, Jonathan Barouche of localmeasure.com. That's where people can find out more about what you do and what you have to offer. But um, thank you for making dealing with businesses just that little bit better. Well, thank you for having me. And, and hopefully, uh, if there's one thing that your listeners can take away, it's even if they only spend an hour, get a white piece of paper, sketch out all the different ways they interact with a customer and figure out in the first week one thing that they can do better to make their customers like them that much more. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Well, there you go, team. Jonathan Barouche. Here's what grabbed my attention from that chat with Jonathan. Attention grabber number one. I love the idea of giving deep consideration to the end-to-end -end journey of the customer as they travel through your business the whole time asking yourself, and he posed many great questions, but the one I loved was how do I want my customer to feel? I think it's a great question. Go and write it on all the walls of all the offices 
in your business? How do I want my customer to feel? And keep kind of tweaking that every step along the way. Attention grabber number two. I love that Jonathan acknowledges that B2B and B2C are just a distraction from the real way of doing business, which is H2H, human to human, or P2P, as I like to call it, people to people. I don't think it matters what industry or sector you're servicing, you're working with people, right? So kind of approach it that way. Attention grabber number three, be mindful of the fact that every customer now has a megaphone and more and more they're willing to use it thanks to social media, Google reviews and other review sites. So actively go and seek good reviews and testimonials and be sure to respond to the good and the bad ones. Don't just respond to the good ones and don't ignore the bad ones. If you want a little bit more kind of insight into bad reviews, I did a great interview a few years ago with Jay Bayer, uh, a fellow who wrote a book called Hug Your Haters. I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Speaking of show notes, I'd love to hear how you wow your customers. Would you share it with me? Would you share it with the rest of the listeners? I'd love it if you did that. Head over to Small Business bigmarketing.com forward slash 486 and let me know. Well, that's what grabbed my attention. Whatever grabbed yours, be sure to block out some time in your diary and implement it because that, my friend, is where the magic is. Come on down. It's Timbo's Monster Prize Draw. Yes, indeedly, doodly. It's time to reward another motivated listener for taking some serious marketing action. And today's winner is... Peter Braid of Braid & Co Distribution, who are suppliers agents based in Townsville, sunny Townsville, well into the north of Queensland, that is. And Peter says, G'day, Timbo. G'day, Pete. I think your show is the best Australian podcast I have found. Hashtag blush. Here's what we've implemented. We make sure we keep our email signature up to date. We have all of our main suppliers listed and the links to their website if they have one. We have a new website up and running. I have been adding blogs on it. That's good work. And they can be on a particular supplier or product or just something about ourselves. Uh, We are in the process of getting our vehicles wrapped to promote what we do. We cover such a huge area, so it's just another way to get the message out. We have a Facebook page and an Instagram page and have just done our first paid ad on Facebook. Nice. Hope it works for you. Hope you can spend a dollar on Facebook and get two back. That'd be a good outcome. But the biggest thing I have implemented is, oh, I love this, hey? I promise everyone else I didn't get Pete to say this because I don't know Pete, is applying for an Amex business card. It has helped us to get our cash flow almost under control, including some tax issues that we had. It has helped us out immensely. Keep up the good work, Timbo, Peter Braid. Pete, I love your work. Thank you, mate, for the effort of listening to this show, and I'm sure it's an effort, and importantly, for implementing the ideas that you are learning from this show. That should be less of an effort because marketing should be a hobby, right? You have won 
A 180 headlamp worth 100 bucks. You got some boxing gloves from Fitness Enhancement. That's worth 40 bucks. A full range of Liars non-alcoholic spirits. That's worth over 500 bucks. Access to Jeff Anderson's video marketing course, 197 bucks. A $50 send-all voucher. A $100 voucher to go and buy some tradies undies for you or your missus. Promotion on this show, uh, Bradenco.com is Pete's website. I'll also put that in the show notes when you'll get a backlink in the show notes. That's nice. To everyone else, send me an email. Tell me one idea you've learned from listening to this show and that you've implemented it and what impact it's had on your business. And if I read it out on air, you win. Before we wrap things up, just a reminder that you'll find plenty more episodes on the Podcast One Australia app, plus my entire archive full of ideas to grow your beautiful business is over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. If you're getting value from listening, then don't keep it a secret. Be sure to let every other business owner in your phone know about it. Next week, we catch up with an axe-wielding homicidal maniac. <laughs> well, that's not entirely correct. He's an axe-wielding entrepreneur, that's better, who through his business Lumber Punks helps people like you and I throw axes indoors <laughs> at targets. <laughs> I love some of the guests we have on this podcast. This podcast was presented by me, Timbo Reed, produced by Matt Dwyer. Until next week, thanks for tuning in. Now get out there and take action. <laughs>